Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Punk Rock MBA podcast. Really quickly, before we get into this episode, I wanted to mention my Patreon. Patrons get all of the podcasts a week early. I do giveaways. I do some other stuff. But most importantly, if you want me to review your music or artwork or anything else, Patreon is the way to do that. Every month, I do a call for submissions. All you need to do if you want me to review something is just post it in the comments of that post. Then I will review it live on Twitch for the hundreds of people that tune into every stream and post it on Patreon for everyone to check out. All you need to do is just join at the $10 and up level, stay tuned for that post, and you are good to go. So if that sounds cool to you and you want me to review your music, artwork, or anything else, hit the link in the show notes for this episode. And thank you very much to everyone who supports over on Patreon. Let's talk about this, the story that you may have heard going around in various forms. The Blink-182 reunion is here. The gods have answered my prayers. But unfortunately, uh, not all is well over there. As you may have seen, the tickets are insanely expensive. You may have seen it on Twitter. Here's one example. I don't know who, if this is Blink setting prices, the venue or promoters and what, but these ticket prices are extortionate. Working class people cannot afford to go to gigs anymore. This is uh, somewhere in the UK. But you can see here, uh, standing rear GA pit ticket, 87 pounds. Front GA pit ticket, 109 pounds. Uh, some of these others are like 200 pounds, but that's not even the worst of it. There are way, way worse examples of it. If that was the worst of the prices, I would say that's not actually that bad. This is pretty bad. $1,000 to stand up the entire show here in Dallas. Well, I'm sure Mark Hoppus hopes to see us all there. He won't be seeing anyone I know. This doesn't discourage scalpers, but it does discourage fans. I hope they hear crickets when they take the stage. And I gotta say, uh... $830 for a, uh, I don't know, not a bad ticket, but it's like kind of far back. $830 to see Blink is insane. Like, I don't think there is any Blink ticket where I could justify paying $830. I love Blink, um, but uh, $830 plus they're probably going to charge you the 10% uh, convenience fee uh, the, for the convenience of what? Giving you my money? I am so confused. I want to charge people a convenience fee for watching my videos. Like as soon as you press play, it charges your credit card a dollar. 
Oh, that's the convenience fee for pressing play on YouTube. I get a dollar. So with taxes and all that stuff, yeah, it's going to be over $1,000 to go see Blink. Um, and then look at these here. The other ones, standing room only. Well, first of all, I don't know who would want to go see Blink and sit the whole time. That would be kind of weird. But still, the point is, these tickets, $1,200, they're almost $1,300. Like, I, this is crazy. It's crazy. I got to say, it's crazy. And I mean, you, you guys know, I'm generally speaking, um, I'm cool with the free market sort of just taking its course um, and uh, setting prices at what they are. But um, it's kind of crazy. Now, I had a few questions. Um, first of all, why would they do this? Why? And, and by they, I mean Ticketmaster. Anytime you see something like this, I always want to sort of understand, well, what's going on here? The answer is pretty simple, actually. It is supply and demand. So I get it. Uh, essentially, what this is, is a way to, I don't know if fight scalping is the word, uh, but to address scalping. So you've seen this anytime there's one of these like super popular tours. If the tickets are $200, the scalpers have their bots and whatnot, and they'll get all those tickets and resell them for, you know, $1,200 or $2,000 or, or whatever it is. So Ticketmaster said they have this new thing called dynamic pricing. The same way as if you take Uber at 10 a.m. on a Tuesday, it's going to be a much lower price than if you take that same ride probably during rush hour on a weekday because there are more people that want to take that Uber. So there is more demand, the same amount of supply, therefore the price goes up. And it's sort of the same thing here with these tickets. They essentially built this feature. It sniffs the demand and it says, well, looks like this is really popular. We're going to raise the price until people stop paying it, which is kind of crappy, but I, I do understand because like I said, this is to fight scalping. So in essence, what they have said is that the market has determined that this ticket is worth $1,300, right? Somebody is going to charge that price, whether it's a scalper or whether it's us, the market has determined that this ticket is worth 1300 bucks. So why don't we just charge that? So we get the money and then the artist gets some of the money as well instead of the scalper. So on the one hand, I kind of understand that because I guess if tickets are going to be $1,300, I would rather that money go to the artist than to the scalper. That's better. However, uh, it sucks because... I mean, people like Blink and I mean, Bruce Springsteen, any of these like super rich artists that are selling arena shows, doing these legacy tours, they don't need the money. And for me personally, if I was in their shoes, I wouldn't be cool with that. I would want to give my fans access to the show at a reasonable price. And like people are fine with paying like a hundred bucks even, which to me, I mean, I grew up, the price for a show was $5 when I would go to shows when I was a kid, like hardcore shows and stuff, it was five bucks. So the idea of paying that much for any show is like crazy to me, but whatever. There are people who are fine with paying $100. They're okay with $100, a thousand. I mean, that's just a bit too much. However, within the kind of current limits of the system, they don't really have much of a choice. Like if, if the market has determined that the fair market value of this ticket is 1300 bucks, then it's somebody is going to charge $1,300 for that, whether it's Ticketmaster or whether it's a scalper. So I kind of get it. You think they're doing this tour for their fans? I mean, yeah, that's my thing is like, they're all rich. Like, why do they need to gouge the fans? 
Bowie, Dylan, Marley. You've heard the names and maybe you've heard their songs, but what about the stories behind the records that made titans of music like these so universally loved and important? Join me, Josh Adam Myers, host of The 500, as each week I go through a different album from Rolling Stone Magazine's 500 Greatest Albums list from 2012 with an incredible lineup of comedians, actors, and musicians talking about how the music has impacted their lives. New episodes of The 500 come out every Wednesday. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, you. Did you have any plans this year? Ha! How's that going? Did you get 2020? Well, welcome to a brand new podcast called 2020, where myself, Benny Goodman, and my good friends, Corey Pazin and Siobhan Cronin from the band Lost Symphony, also got 2020. And since the world ended this year, we decided why not just check in with some of our friends in the music industry and see how everyone's doing. We're going to get a candid look at life on and off the stage, as well as the mindset of some of the most successful people in the entertainment industry. New episodes drop every Sunday and Wednesday at 9 p.m. Eastern. And you can listen at 2 020-D.com, SoundTalentMedia.com, or on your favorite podcast app. But first, I want to thank DistroKid for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. If you're not familiar, DistroKid is a digital music distribution service that musicians use to put their music into online stores and streaming services. So in plain language, if you have ever wondered how to get your music on iTunes, Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube Music, Amazon, Deezer, Tidal, and many, many more, there's like dozens and dozens of different streaming services. DistroKid is the way to do it. It is super easy. I have used it to put my music on Spotify. It took me maybe five minutes to like set it up and upload everything. It's legitimately awesome. I am sincerely a fan of this company and their product. And for those of you who have asked, you can also upload your music to TikTok with DistroKid. And if you want a chance to get featured on DistroKid's Spotify playlists, you can do that by submitting a song through Spotlight and getting your fans to vote for you. You can also use Hyperfollow to get more Spotify followers. You can promote your new release as well as Spotify Canvas. That's where there's the video in the background in the player. And when you share it on Instagram, it shares that video too to make your Spotify release pop. And Spotify Canvas is available to all DistroKid artists. Like I said, as you can probably tell from this, like I am sincerely a fan of DistroKid. DistroKid can do everything I just talked about and so much more. So be sure to sign up with my link, which is in the show notes for this episode, to get 7% off your first year. That link is in the show notes of this episode or go to distrokid.com slash VIP slash the punk rock NBA. And thanks again to DistroKid for sponsoring this episode. My first question about this was, do they have to opt into this? Because people are saying, oh, it's not up to the band. It's not Blank's fault. You know, don't blame them. But I thought, well, that doesn't sound right. I mean, there must they must have some involvement with this, right? So I did a little bit of research. So my first question was, is this actually something that artists can choose to opt in or out from? Because a lot of the comments you've seen on Reddit and stuff, it's people saying, oh, it's not, it's not the band. I know it's not the band's fault. Fuck Ticketmaster. You know, I think everybody hates Ticketmaster, partly for good reason. Ticketmaster makes a convenient scapegoat, but is it really that simple? So I did a little bit of research 
And, uh, and I don't think it is that simple. Here's what I found. Artists and their record labels are involved in pricing decisions as well. Promoters and artist representatives set pricing strategy and price range parameters on all tickets, including dynamic and fixed price points, a Ticketmaster spokesman told the New Statesman. Artists and creators retain 100% of the revenue from the original primary ticket price, including dynamic and fixed price points. Ticketmaster's revenue comes primarily from booking fees. So for anybody who said that this wasn't up to the band, that it's out of their control, that it's Ticketmaster, that's not true. They did indeed opt into it. Again, I kind of understand why, because it's like, well, if people are going to scalp the tickets and like if fans are going to have to pay a ton of money for these tickets, I guess we might as well get that money ourselves rather than give to scalpers, right? I sort of get that. But the idea that the bands are sort of helpless victims of this who got forced into it by Ticketmaster is not true. The band did indeed click the opt-in button on that. And again, I love Blank. I'm not trying to like throw them under the bus. I'm a huge fan. I'm just saying it is what it is. They did opt into it. So I guess, you know, I, I don't know. It feels weird to say this, but I guess they should be held accountable for that, right? Because they did make that choice. The question is though, what, like, what else could they do? And within the current system, as far as I'm aware, uh, they really couldn't do anything else. So what I think someone should build, Ticketmaster should build this, and they'll never do it because there's really no economic reason for them to do it. Ticketmaster should build a feature where the only way to sell this ticket is to sell it directly to another user on their platform for the face value of the ticket. That would eliminate scalping. So if you paid $100 for it, the only way to sell this ticket to transfer it is through the Ticketmaster platform. And the only way, to, and the only way you can do that is by selling it for the face value. That's the only way that you would be able to eliminate scalpers, I think. But why would Ticketmaster ever do that? As long as they can do this like dynamic pricing thing and say that it's to fight scalpers, well, Ticketmaster gets more money from the booking fees and the promoters get more money and everyone can just sort of shrug and say, oh, it's not our fault, it's the scalpers' fault. Um, but it's really not true. That exists on other platforms, Ticketmaster just dicks. Okay, yeah, I don't I don't buy a lot of tickets. So uh, if that does exist on other platforms, I'm, I'm not aware of it. I understand... Uh, that people got to make money. I mean, you guys know me. I am. I will never fault anybody for getting their bag. Like, people need to get paid. But this is a little bit ridiculous. I got to say, as much as I love Blink, I think it's kind of shitty. Make reselling tickets illegal. That's how it works in Europe. Well, I think people should be allowed to sell stuff. Um, because, like, if you can't go, shouldn't you be able to give that ticket to someone else? I mean, I would think so. My point is that just it, it kind of sucks when you see artists who are already rich, gouge their fans. I wouldn't do it. I, like, if I was already a millionaire, I would be playing these shows for the fans. A multi-millionaire. I mean, these guys are rich as hell. My goal, I'd be like Fugazi. Not a fan of Fugazi's music, but I do like their attitude. Back in the day, all their shows were five bucks. That's what I would do. I would just say, hey, we're here to put on a show for the fans. We don't care about making money. You know, you got to charge something. You got to pay your crew and all those people. And like those people deserve to get paid. So you got to charge something. I would set the price as low as I possibly could while still taking care of the crew and the promoters, you know, whoever the little people are. I don't give a shit. If we make money, I just want to put on a show for the fans, take care of the crew and we're good. That's how I would do it. They still need to make up from the pandemic. Uh, I think everyone in Blink is probably rich. And if they're not rich, if they didn't they didn't keep all the money they made, that's their fault. I don't really see any reason that they would need to charge $1,300. The little people, well, but there are random employees that work for promoters. Like promoters are not all rich fat cats. There's like 
lots of just random people that are, I don't know, our marketing manager or whatever for, you know, the promoters. It's not like they're getting rich. So, they, you know, there are lots of people involved here who aren't getting rich. That's how I would look at it. So a lot of people have asked me about this. That's my opinion is uh, it sucks to see this. It really does. I understand, though, it's difficult, you know, when a band is this big, like they can't play small venues. They've got to play arenas and those arenas are kind of locked up as far as the promoters. Like it's it's difficult for them to go around Ticketmaster. I understand that. Uh, yeah, I think it sucks. I think it sucks. And uh you know, I think that at the very least, if you're going to opt into dynamic pricing as an artist, I think you should own up to that and you should just say, hey, we did opt into dynamic pricing for this. Here's why. And you got to stand by that. You can't be a coward and pretend that it's Ticketmaster. You can't point the finger at them. You got to own that decision. Just it is what it is. So yeah, kind of sucks to see. And a lot of people out there are frustrated. And I understand why, because 1300 bucks, that's insane. $1,300 to see any show is crazy. That's ridiculous. It is ridiculous, especially, you know, a pop punk band. It's ridiculous. So it's unfortunate. Those are my thoughts. Uh, you know, you guys know that I love Blink. I wish them all the success in the world, but this kind of sucks. All right, my friends, that does it for this episode of the podcast. If you made it this far, thank you. Thank you for listening. We sincerely appreciate each and every one of you. If you want to help the show, there's a couple things that you can do. First of all, share it on social media. If you share it, tag us, tag Finn McKenty, that's me, and tag Deanna Chapman, that's a producer. Second thing you can do, if you really, really, really love us and really want to support us, you can support us on Patreon. There's a link to that in the show notes. You can leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you're listening to this, or you can do none of that, and you can just sit at home, think about how awesome this podcast is. That works too. Again, thank you very much to each and every one of you for listening. We sincerely appreciate it, and we'll see you next time. Hello, everybody. I'm Bruce. And I'm Nolan. And this is the Corner of Gray Street Podcast. As longtime Dave Matthews Band fans, we set out to create a podcast to dive deep into the past, present, and future of DMB. Not only do we recap and review shows within an ongoing tour, but we revisit past shows from throughout the band's history, conduct interviews with a wide variety of guests with ties to DMB, and create unique and exclusive content like our Concerts on the Corner series. Whether you're a fan of the band or just a fan of great music, we think you'll find something you'll enjoy. We can't wait to see you on The Corner of Gray Street. Hey, what's up? This is Blake Wyland. I'm the host of the Tone Mob podcast. It's a show where I interview guitar people about guitar stuff. We talk about their pedals, their amps, their accessories, their preferences, all that stuff, as well as a healthy dose of whatever comes up. Topics have ranged from aliens to addiction and anywhere in between. Oh yeah, and pizza. We're definitely going to be talking about pizza. So get the show wherever you're listening to this podcast at. Just search The Tone Mob in your search bar and it will pop right up. Come join us. We're having a lot of fun. Thanks for checking it out.